Tell me when you're happy here. Yeah, just give me a couple seconds of each one. I remember that song. Okay, let's put that on the maybe list. That's a good one. Keep going. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> good song. Okay, that's my new leader in the clubhouse. I like that one, but I think we've used that one a million times. Here's a personal favorite of mine. Oh, you like? Yeah, this is a good Grand song. Grand Theft Auto style. Yeah, it's different. What a lot of people um kind of think when they hear that song. Like '80s people think '80s. Kids of, think Grand Theft Auto. I think girls in bikinis and big mounds of coke. Big mounds of coke. Yeah. Miami Vice fans. Yeah. Yeah. Wicker shoes. Yeah. Hair just hanging out of the shirt. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, that's a classic. I'm not into the English pop music. No, of eighties. Yeah. Are you not a um, Clash fan? No. No, you're not a Clash fan. Uh-uh. Oh yeah, I know that song. <clears throat> Swing out, sister. Swing out, sister. That's kind of classy, though. I love this song. It's a good pop '80s song. I don't know what nationality she. She was, but it wasn't American. I don't know if I want that voice every morning, though. Really? You've played every morning? No, mm-hmm. like waking up to her. If you, really? Yeah. I think it'd be a selling point. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it's right up your block, sir. Okay, that's not bad. And by the way, everyone, we're looking for an intro for this episode, so. Did we already start? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, no. Me talking about songs I mildly like and dislike. <laughs> Makes it easy. Yeah, this would this drives me nuts. The keyboard? Yeah. Yeah. The but- keyboard was overstated its welcome come 1991, you know? Soon. You a Bowie fan? Um, there's a few Bowie songs I like. To it, I don't know the catalog quite so well. Kind of like when people are like, "Oh, I like Lou Reed," and you have to say you like Lou Reed. To it, I uh, I just know that the popular ones that they've played. Did you see his new video, the one he released right before he died? I did not. No. Really creepy, dude. Really? How yeah. so? Well, part of it, he's in a hospital bed and he's got buttons for his eyes, and because he's you know dying of cancer, mm-hmm. and it's just a really morbid, oh, yeah. sad song. And then the final scene of the video is him going into a closet, proverbial, you know, really, yeah, like going back into the closet. Ooh, that's telling. Yeah. Sad, sad too, and it, telling. Yeah, it was very depressing. Seems like we've lost a lot of people this year. Yeah, right? Don't you think? I don't think it's done either. I'm afraid, yeah, we're only in 
in March, I'm afraid to like open like Yahoo News or something every day. It seems like we'll lose someone new. David Bowie, Gary Shandling, and those are just the two off the top of my head. Um, yeah, it's kind of freaky. I think so too. And the funny thing is, it's only the people that we care about. Like, there's thousands of people dying every day. But yeah, yeah. It's like, like famous entertainers. Like, that's what sucks about fame is knowing that I'm probably never going to be famous, but that I'm going to die and no one's going to give a shit. Like, my parents will both be dead. Like, maybe my son will care. Mm-hmm. Like, I probably won't have a wife. I so. would hope your son would care a little bit. Who knows? Like, uh, maybe he'll care. I don't know. I don't know. It might be a rough teen years, but... Yeah, it is freaky to think about that, your own death. I think about that a lot. You know what I think about that? When I see old pictures. Like, of people, you see pictures of someone back in the day who's not around anymore. It's like, well, that person's not here anymore. It's kind of freaky to think about it. It can get in your head. At least it does for me. I think about it when I'm really hungover. Really? Yeah. Like, you know when you wake up and your heart's beating a little bit faster than it should be, and you've got a headache, and you feel awful, and it's like, what am I doing to myself? Like, I'm... Almost middle-aged at this mm-hmm. point at 35, you know. Yeah. I think about it driving. Driving's scary, yeah. Driving can be scary. Yeah, you get a little disconnected from your own brain, and you're like, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I don't know. Kind of weird to think about that. Someone was telling me once, or I heard somewhere, we're the only species that knows they die. So, like, you know, we have a very weird relationship with our own lives compared to, like, animals, dogs, things like that. Because we know... We expire, and animals don't. At least, we don't think they do. So that's weird. That's a weird concept. That's probably why animals kick so much ass. Like, mountain lions and bears, like, they have no idea that they're going to die, so they're going to go straight at you, balls out, and try to rip your face. they do their own thing. They're purely existing on survival, getting their meals. I don't think humans on meth or PCP know that they're going to die either. That's true, too. That gets us to an animal state. Or if you're a police officer. Really? Yeah, they're pretty aggressive, man. Yeah, a certain type of person goes into that sort of profession in the first place, too. Football so players. Football players? You think football players don't think about no, mortality? Don't. You don't? Mm-mm. The athlete is an interesting one because essentially they, they die once when their career ends because you kind of retire with a lot of living still to do. But that was your life. You're an athlete, and your body sort of can only go so far in an athletic stance. And then you uh, have to start all over. So I could see that. I could see. Uh, I could see how it's really hard for athletes to retire. So we still need to find an intro song here, sir. Let's not. Talk we got a lot of. That's a good intro synthesizer to it. I would say I like a good intro with like like this sort of some R and B, something that's kind of like uh, got a groove grooviness to it. And welcome, Patrick Ramirez. How the fuck are you, man? I'm great, man. How are you? Thanks for having me. Of course. It's been a while. It's been too long. Very long. It's been at least... Almost a year. Has it? Yeah, it has been a year. <laughs> I was going to say six months, but no, probably seen each other about a year ago. I saw you at Wise Guys Comedy Club last night in Salt Lake City. Yes, sir. You were doing Christian Piper's show, Adrenaline. Not only were you good, the whole show was good. Yeah, Christian was nice enough to include me on that show. And... and I- um. I didn't know what kind of show he did. It was great. And so what it is, is it's six or seven comics, and they all have some type of thing, that a challenge that they have to do. Like, Marty Archibald had to eat pizza while he was performing in his act. 
uh, Aaron Orlovitz had to team up with another comic. Yeah, I had to bring someone up on stage and, and become a comedy duel on the spot. You <laughs> just kind of a train wreck. Like, I, the thing that I don't understand is Christian does it because he loves to watch people fail and he loves the uncomfortable moment. But as a man like me who works 40, 50 hours a week and is tired all the time and usually angry or grumpy because I have a bad sex life, I want to go and laugh. I don't want to watch other people be uncomfortable because that's my life. I yeah. am the uncomfortable guy. So you got no joy out of watching someone flail in front of strangers. No, I, no, re- I really enjoy it. That says something about you. That might be a good thing. I really enjoy that, but I don't want to pay for that. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Especially when, you know, I'm kind of friendly with most of these comics. I don't mm. want to watch them just suffer up there. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know all these people. Yeah. So you're you're going into it in a different sort of fan experience. It is an odd thing that Christian's goal is to put on a show <laughs> for his own personal enjoyment of watching his friends really struggle in front of a crowd. And so what was your bit? Because you, you survived it very well. I got a... I, my challenge was to do hack premises. So I drew a, a card out of his bucket, his bucket of shame. <laughs> and I had to do jokes about hack comedian premises. So there was um, dating is hard premise. Every, every comic has silly dating jokes. I had airports, do jokes about airports. I had um, differences between white people and black people. <laughs> And I think one was talk about your dick. Which you didn't do. Yeah, which I misread, and I thought it said talk about your dad. Same thing. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. In a roundabout way, it came from the same thing. So, so which, in, in a sense, I, got, I didn't think I got too hard of, of one because you could read those and sort of, sort of like expound from all those things. One guy got um, dance while you do your jokes. Yeah, Wilson And I would Rich. not have liked that one. No, that me. seemed really hard. But he went with it. Like, he embarrassed he himself doing 70 dances. Like, uh, he did the running man, and he'd do the pointer finger up in the air. Yeah, yeah some people really— he tried to break dance. Really did well with it. That was the one out of all the challenges. Like, oh, I'm glad I didn't get that one Yeah. to it. So, And then one person got one where they had to incorporate basketball terms— yeah, that girl. And, I felt really bad. And I was bad, like, I could have. I wanted that one. I wanted that one. See, yeah. she was borderline cringeworthy. Like, think so? I think so. Like, just because I don't know her that much, and I thought she pulled it off. Okay, I mean, I think you do she okay, did fine, but and I think that's about as much as you can extract from that. But as a pain man who's paying ten bucks for a hamburger and yeah, five bucks at the door and another seven dollars for a beer, it's like, come on, like. Do you like, are you a person who would watch improv comedy? I love improv. You love improv? Because yeah. I think that's like along the same ideas. I, well, you don't like know what you're going to see. Good improv. Like if I go see Andrew and Troy with Toy Soup, maybe there might be a couple of intro parts where they're kind of off a little bit until they're yeah. trying to f- get a rhythm. But once they hit that rhythm, they're money. Mm-hmm. And whether you watch Bob Bedore at Quick Wits, like, and he'll bring in a bunch of young talent, but... They're really funny and they're really naturally funny. So Yeah. I just it's a different sort of show. I just think when you're a comic and you're really not that funny in the first place and then you, they take you out of your element, like it just sets you up for fucking train wrecks. So. Oh yeah, totally. It's kinda like you know, if you can't make a layup and someone's like, Well, I just swish it from half court. You're like, What? I'm having <laughs> enough hard time here. You're gonna give me this. I like that it's different though. I like that Christian's doing something sort of different to it, but it's nerve wracking. Yeah. 
to yeah. it. Yeah, I was like, well, this this might be a terrible bomb for me to it, but <laughs> it it was fun and no one no one was uh, upset leaving the place, I don't think. What did you think of Keith Stubbs' new club? That was the first time I had been in there. It's stunning, right? Super stunning. Like it's it's I was telling someone, it's like a little theater in mm-hmm. there. Big big room, big space to it. And apparently all the comics coming through have really liked it, all the traveling comics. Oh, I'm sure. It's so much better than for those who aren't here in Salt Lake City or in Utah. It used to be out in a place called West Valley, which is kind of in the suburbs, but it's in the poorer part of town. It's west of the tracks, you know, if that makes any sense. And it was in a strip mall. In a strip mall. It was in a strip mall, and you go in there and had a tight little showroom, which was a great showroom. But, um, yeah, it was in an odd location. I do miss that place, though, because... It had a great vibe to it. Yeah. Right. And this one will probably get that too in time. It's got to break in. It's got to break in. Everybody's got to get used to it. Everybody's got their new, got to get their new legs. Yeah. It's really classy for a comedy club. It's super classy. Yeah. It doesn't have that sort of like where the walls look like they've seen a lot of things yet. Yeah. It doesn't seem like there's been a lot of splooge like dropped everywhere. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like anybody's been thrown up against a wall yet <laughs> to it. You know, give it time. Give it time. It'll have all that stuff. It's nice. It's classy. That location is like heart of downtown right there. It's sort of like the corner. It's pretty cool. It's it's Utah deserves a good, a good comedy club. So that's great. How's LA going? It's going good. Um, it's, uh, I've been there a year and a half. Jesus Christ. Really? And, uh, it's been a big change and, uh, it's been good in a lot of ways, tough in a lot of ways. I like it. I'm going to be there for at least another year. I'm going to give it another year's worth. And uh, see how it's going, you know? I think for, like, a big move, you got to take things one year at a time. So that's where I'm at with it. You're it's making friends out there? Girlfriends? You make friends. That's the hard part. You're making totally new friends with people. So you got to learn learn the lay of the land, see who's in your same boat. And all you're not a big drinker and partier, right? So you're not going to go to the bar and make tons of bar friends, right? Like that, probably not. I'm a, I'm a drink. I'll have beers and stuff with people, but I like the hangout for late hours. Yeah, you're right. I don't hang out too, too long oh. to these, but it's, uh, it's been good. It's a change for sure to it. I like a lot of things about it. A lot of things I'm still getting the hang of. So have you gone into the Ventura Comedy Club in San Francisco yet? In San Diego? I've never been there. I've never been to those two places. Yeah. Have you been there? I've been to the Ventura Comedy Club. I've never seen comedy in San Francisco. Really? Like, it seems like the last thing you would do in San Francisco. San Francisco, I met someone from there and really, really had good things to say about it, to it. He, uh, yeah, he apparently had a lot, a lot of places to go. Apparently, they have a good, a good scene and a lot of comics, too. But I've never been. Never been to San Francisco. I know they bring in a lot of East Coast comics, you know, the whole Bob Kelly crew and that, those type of people. I see. It's, diff- it's kind of weird how every place has their own sort of like way of doing things, you mm-hmm. know, here in Salt Lake, we've got a super cool scene, but it's small. You know, I didn't really know what small was. Here, and it's and the here, same people. Like I'm really we have waiting. Tw- yeah. We have 25 comics here. That are all the that's same. It. Yeah, same <laughs> yeah. bit. And that's the tough thing that really bothers me. And I know I'll get flack for it, but dude, it's been three years for some of you guys change your fucking act. Yeah. I think as a... You have to, or get off the stage. If you're doing... If you're traveling around the road, you have an act and you do it because that's your bread and butter. If you're doing spots around town, I think you got to you gotta realize that a lot of the same people are seeing you, so you got to try and impress them or make them laugh in a different way to it, and um, that's hard to do. <laughs> that is flat out hard to do. I want more crowd interaction, too, from the local comics. 
You like like when they do crowd work and stuff? I love it. Okay. I love when Jim Norton and Rich Voss spend 25 minutes just making fun of people. Like, yeah. That's part Those of it. Those are some pros that do that. That's for sure. Well, when do you become go from amateur to pro? Yeah, I think that takes a long time, and it doesn't take three years. I think it takes 10. And uh, yeah. And um, in de- if I were to talk in defense of the comic. No, when, please do. When you're, when you're a comic like, say, myself, and you're trying to get regular spots, you don't get to do longer sets very often. And by longer sets, I mean plus 10 minutes. If you're given three, six minutes, you're going up with the mindset. like, I got to do my A material. I'm doing X, Y, Z. I'm not going to kind of like move to anywhere. I'm going to do what I set out to do. So if you got someone who's like, I oh, play with the crowd, he's like, I can't. I got a plan here. I got to get the most out of these three minutes. But do doesn't, it. Is, doesn't it become more of an act of memorization then? Yeah, it does. So why? tell me why that that's encouraged in comedy. Uh, what's encouraged to do to the memorize same thing? because basically what you're doing is you're an actor and you're memorizing a script. If you memorize a, if and if you goal, bring good energy on night B and bad energy on night C, your memorization in your script is going to be based off your energy. Right. Couple ways I think you could think about it. If you're auditioning for a spot at the club and they give you six minutes, you're not going to do your crowd work because crowd work can go okay, it can go good, and it can go terrible. So you don't want to leave that to chance. You want to do your A material. You want to show the club owner that you can write jokes and you can have a stage presence, and then you want to get out. And then you're judged from that. If you go up and be like, I'm going to have fun. I'm comfortable. I've got 10 spots lined up. I'm going to do 15 minutes. First five, I'm going to do crowd work and see where it leads. You have some leeway to it. So there's a couple ways of thinking about it to it. But if you're auditioning for a spot or to impress and trying to get, get more gigs, you got to come in with your best stuff. To it, and you can't get sort of bounced around with someone sort of yells out. You can't say, "Hey, what do you do?" <laughs> you know. So you're so, telling me there's a science to being a comic. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. There's there's a lot of like steps I would say along the way. You got just sort of think like when you got your first job. Chances are you could be an intern, you could be low level employee. You're working for free, and you're like, "All right, hopefully I can get to this here." So I'm not gonna. Yeah, I've never advanced from that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, we're all interning here. We're interning in life, as it turns out. With everything in life. So, so yeah, think of it like as like a freshman in high school versus a senior in high school. You know, your mindset is just different. Your comfort level You're is experienced. different. Your experience, yeah. So imagine that, that senior attitude when you've got a month and a half left in school and everything's already in and you're just breezing through the halls. To it versus, you know, six weeks into freshman year, you're scared as can be and you're fighting for your life just to make it through the day without getting your ass beat. You're like, just, just blend in with the walls, blend in with the walls, get in, get out. That seems really risky for a club owner because most people that, you know, are learning a craft or learning the material aren't charging people to be entertained, right? That is one difference. You're right. That. I would say markets about as big as Salt Lake can get away with um, that. They, you pay five bucks to go watch an open mic at the club here in Salt Lake, any club like in LA, the open mics are free and, but nobody goes to them. So you're just doing your jokes for all the other comics waiting to go up. Don't give a shit. They don't care. Everybody's texting. Everybody's chatting in the back. Some are, you know, some are listening to it. They give you the respect of that. They're quiet enough, but 
you, you're not doing it for audience members because there's just so much saturation of entertainment there that, you know, no one's going to go watch sort of someone do an open mic. But here we do because we have a good scene and people like it and they go and watch it and you can get a good crowd. So it's a different ball game. So when you lived here and, you know, you did all the open mics in town, so you were most likely working with a large percentage of the same people every week. Don't you get mad listening to the same stuff or doesn't it bother you? I would get a little mad, um, but at the same time I recognize that you're trying to like, whittle down something, something good to it. But yeah, you always say, and I would put myself in this category too, the guy who's doing the same bit week after week and it never worked ever. And you're like, let it go. Put this one out, pull the plug on it. And uh, I definitely have been in that crowd where I'm like, all right, this week is the week, you know, and it just never works to it. But sometimes you'll hear people say, and this is what drives me nuts, is someone will do a joke and it won't get a laugh. And the comic will say, Oh, screw you guys. I don't care. That's a good joke. I like that joke. And my reaction always like, well, I'm glad you like it, buddy, because these 50 people don't. <laughs> I never, never liked that reaction to it. I never liked a joke that did poorly. I never have liked a joke that's done bad. I'm like, I'm looking forward to dropping this. So do comics do become well. ostracized and, you know, sat away from when they give criticism to other comics or? I can. I think if you got criticism from a comic that you respect, you, you lend a year a little bit longer. And someone, it's definitely happened to me before where I've had a mediocre set and a terrible comic will come up to me and be like, Hey, I like that one bit. And I instantly tear that page out of my notebook. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This is gone (laughs) Do it. But if someone like you, like look up to someone who's like a few years above you down the road, gives you a good piece of advice or like, yeah, you got to look at this. You, you pay mind to that. You're like, okay, I'm going to keep that to it. So it depends. It's kind of weird how you never really get out of high school with relationships and some, some people you're like, Oh, I look that guy. I, I really idolize. I can never talk to them, you know? And then they say something nice to you and you're like, Holy cow, that senior talk to me. Right. That's kind of cool. So it's weird how we never leave that mindset. So how does the unfunny guy or gal make it in comedy? Cause there are a handful of comics in this town who aren't funny. Like there's nothing about their act that's funny. And you see them every time you go and pay a C, you know, quote unquote, a lister sure. or B lister. Well, I would say you could take number one, all my advice with a pretty gr- big grain of salt because I am, I am in no way uh, a career comic to it. But if you were to say, how do I get from year one to year five, like me, the easiest thing I would say is you got to be pretty objective to be like, if, am I getting laughs? Uh, I'm getting some laughs. Okay, great, great. I'll come back next week. It's like, ah, oh, I'm bombing up there. And then you could, and then you could rationalize like, Well, it's a rough crowd. You know, at some point, you got to pretty be pretty honest. Like I'm, I'm doing okay for only one minute. I'm doing three minutes. I'm not doing that great. Yeah, I got to drop this thing, or I got. I need some more energy here. And then plus, you got to get in front of different crowds. You can't just do the club mics. You got to do the bar ones. You got to do the late night ones. You got to do the ones in front of just comics to it. So you got to be pretty objective. Like, can I do this in front of different people? And am I really like spinning my wheels, or am I actually do I have something here? to it. So it's, it's objectivity that can help you in the wrong, but it's not fun to look at your notebook and say like, none of this did well. <laughs> none of this did well. I wrote, I wrote about it all day long. I went up and I messed up three out of the seven jokes. I was in, and, and I got to go back to square one with this tomorrow. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this exact stuff tomorrow. See if I can make it better to it, but it's hard. I mean, 
you never, you never really figure it out 100%, I don't think. You're just trying it out. You're working out, essentially. Last night, there was a comic named Marty Archibald. Yeah. And he was dancing like a giraffe. Yeah, yeah. And my instantaneous thought was, let's pull out my phone and film this. Yeah. Is that encouraged? Is that appropriate for someone in the audience or on the periphery of comedy to film a comic? A couple ways you could, you could look at it. Without the comic's permission, probably not mm-hmm. to it. Because at an open mic or at a show, sometimes this comic is just trying stuff out. Is throwing things against the wall, seeing what sticks, seeing what get, gets a reaction. And a lot of times they're under the safety envelope of that no one's recording this. Mm. Like I can do whatever I want. I can be, I can make a, make a bit that could cross a line racially uh, about race, women, his kids, his whatever. And I've got the freedom to say whatever I want right now without being penalized to it. So they could get upset with you recording something that could be misconstrued or taken out of context on the internet or whatever later. But the same token of that comics, I got a good set that I need recorded. Okay. Record me. Cause I'm going to use this for something. So there's a couple ways of thinking about it. There's a big, or there's a really good quote from Patrice O'Neill a while back who would, would get called out for doing racially insensitive sexist things. And he's like, I'm a comic. My job is to reach for that line. Now you have to let me try. You can't harp on me for everything I try and that fails. You have to let me reach for it and see how it goes. So you need to let me try. I don't really feel these ways per se, but I'm digging. I'm looking for a little nugget here. And you went on that whole rant about how can you tell me what's funny when it's my job to be funny? Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's a weird, weird thing, comedy, because you're looking for truth in a tough situation and you don't always get it. You don't always get the laugh, but there's only one way to find out is to put it out there because standup's the only, the only sort of medium where you need an audience to see how you're doing. If you make a movie, you make it and you show it to people when it's done. You know, you do a play, you do the play, you rehearse, and then you show it to people when it's done. Stand up, you're, the crowd is along for the process to it. So you need audience reaction. You need good and you need bad audience reaction. And sometimes you get something you didn't think of out of that. He's like, you know what? Got a little reaction is how I said this word to it. That was just a simple little word in my notebook. And now... I need to sort of go around that. So it's interesting how the audience plays a big role. I'm looking for the donkey punch reference. Did you see that one where he's on Fox News and... Patrice O'Neill? Yeah. I know that from that stand-up special that that's on. Yeah, so this lady was basically saying how, you know, he's sexist and he's rude and it's Patrice talking about, you know, it's just phenomenal. So give me just a second. Let me. He's find a it. good one that he's my favorite comic will, of all time. Yeah, that is a good comic defender of it. Like if you if I see a comic who is like not offending me per se, but I'm like none of these points hold water. I don't really hold it in offense against them because they're trying something. You're up there fighting for your life, and you're trying. Now if they got off stage and you know went and punched a woman right in the face, then you probably would have some grounds to be offended. But words in a stand-up comedy world should never get you riled up because they're just words. Now, actions are different, but you have to let them try at least, at least in an open mic and sort of a trial setting to see what you got. I mean, it's the only way. And he's a good, he puts it in a good way. as like, you have to let them try. You have to let us try and find out. Good comic who's like really sad that he's not around anymore. 
I'm really sad he's not, because I was a big ONA fan, listened to him for 10 years. I don't listen as much anymore now that Anthony's not there, but Patrice O'Neill was on there almost every day at one point for a couple of years, and he just killed it in radio. Yeah. I think there's a big difference between a comic and then a comic who does radio. You know, they're mm-hmm. totally different art forms. Definitely. And he was phenomenal at both, which is... Or taken, taken before. There's a few comics like that where it's like, wow, if they if they had been here now, they would have been even better. Like Geraldo's like that for me. He's like, if that guy was still around now, I mean that he would be really at a peak right now to it. Because now, I mean, you have podcasts and you have a ton of different shows and ton ton of different ways of getting to be known to it. He was always my favorite. Yeah, we don't have him anymore. It's sad. It's a bummer. Yeah, I don't feel quite as bad as Geraldo because he killed himself. But he did, for, yeah. You know, someone Get some demons. <laughs> someone with diabetes, I that kind of you know, or, or that new kid that's dying of cancer. You know, that those are kind of different for mm-hmm. him. George Carlin was phenomenal on the radio because he was a radio file, so he just listened to the radio all the time, never watched TV, and he would call in shows all the time in Los Angeles. So you would listen to some shows, and then all of a sudden, it'd be like. And George from L.A., you're on the line. Mm-hmm. It'd be George Carlin just destroying yeah. the topic and telling this guy how he's stupid and yada, yeah. yada, yada. I think there's still a place for the radio medium. Yeah, we have so many forms of, like, communicating. But spoken word is still super interesting. When someone's speaking on there, telling a story, doing an interview, it's still good. The content is still key in that. So, yeah, I've, I've always liked radio, like, as a kid, like, Stern. I, I've sat in cars and missed classes. Because I couldn't stop listening to the show. I couldn't turn the radio off. Because it's just so compelling. So do you want to try some, this Patrice O'Neill thing here? Sure, what do you got? Defending rape jokes. Next up on the chopping block, XM Satellite Radio DJs Opie and Anthony. They're under fire now for airing joking comments about raping Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice. Will they be the next to go? Is radio cleaning house? After the Imus debacle. With me now, New City President, now New City President, Sonia Osario. She took part in a recent protest calling for radio stations yeah, to stop, stop supporting negative language in music and talk radio. And also, our favorite, stand-up comic, Patrice O'Neill. Oh, thank you, sir. Patrice, uh, are ONA next? I hope not. I hope JV, I wish JV and Elvis didn't lose their job or Imus. It's funny, this is the thing, I, I have, I don't, know her but i'm a, i'm assuming that she has nothing to do with funny so i'm gonna speak as the expert on funny funny people should just be left to trying to be funny what if, what if they're not funny then you made a mistake but how many listen how many times has an unfunny how many f- unfunny rape jokes lead to rape like i don't know how many jokes about rape there are there's a lot but your <laughs> world is not funny your world is next next on the big story that, my world is people trying to be funny. Well, I mean, you, you think it's okay to try to make jokes about rape? I'm diabetic. I make fun of that. I'm a victim. I might <laughs> lose a toe. But I'm trying to make fun of I'm trying to make fun of anything I, I think I can make fun of. Sonia? You know, what's happening now is the marketplace okay. is deciding what's appropriate or what's not appropriate. It's, I think the nation is just tired. There's a new mood in the nation. What nation? The nation, you know what? We're tired of things that it's are just the nation, this paper, and you. I'm, the, I'm not the nation. I'm just speaking for me and funny. You're speaking for the nation, or you're speaking for. Yeah, you know why? Because I remember six years ago doing a 
something against Anthony Openey because they were just so outrageous and their violent images to that you. they put out to women was just uncalled for. And now, now, I think people... You think they were trying to be funny? I think now people... In this country, they were trying to be funny. You know what? I don't care if they're trying to be funny. That's what I'm saying. Why are you in that? So that lady is everywhere in this country. Yeah. I hate that lady. I hate her as a parent. I hate her as a friend. I hate her as a consumer at the grocery store because I have to deal with her on the phone. I have to deal with her in traffic, cutting me off and being unsafe because she's a texter. I hate her blogs. I hate everything that that type of person does. And you're in a realm where you can get silenced by someone in the media who doesn't find one of your skits funny. Yeah. How do you deal with that kind of stuff? Um, I, I would say no one is forced to listen to the radio show. No one is forced to listen to stand-up comedy. So the same way, like, I'm not going to force myself to see a type of movie I don't like. If I don't like it, I'm not going to see it. I'm not going to be offended by it, to it. Uh, at the heart of the matter is, I mean, we still have free speech here. That's that's the key. You should be able to say whatever you want. And these are words. These are not actions. But if I go on Twitter and say that the Dodgers fucking suck, mm-hmm. right? I could get fired for that. I guess I could get fired for saying it on this podcast, but no one... And my, none of my no bosses are, no one listens, you know, like my Twitter audience has much more potential to expose me than my podcast does as of now. Yeah. Well, I think that's maybe what drives people towards an interest in being a comedian in general is that you are free. You are your sole proprietor as a standup. You're in charge of your own words and no one can tell you what to say to it. Now, if you say things that are not garnering an audience and no one's showing up to your shows, you probably need to rethink how you can get an audience to it. But if you're getting laughs, if you're doing poking at interesting points and bringing up new angles to it, you should be allowed to do that, I think. Now, if people get offended, I think that's part of the game too. I don't think you can sit there and say like, hey, don't be offended. People can be offended. That's allowed too, to it. But you have to allow someone to say what's on their mind. Now, when John Q takes his wife or fiance out to a comedy club and you're there, they are most likely not going to see Patrick Ramirez cuss. They're not going to see you go on hate field rants and stuff like that. And that's by design, correct? Um, I don't have too many hate field rants, I oh. would say. I've, I've been accused of like overly being, I guess I would say critical of like women, you know, cause <laughs> you know, I have, I have experiences where they were not good with women, but that's, that's okay. I can, I'm sure, um, I'm sure I'm not totally innocent in it. So it can be construed as that. To it when I make fun of women's dating profiles and silly things like that. I think uh I think for the most part, if someone was offended, I can say that's that's okay. You can, but everything we say as as a comic is open to criticism. So that's that's part of the game. There's one last topic I want to get to because we gotta get out of here. But Kevin Hart was in town a couple of months ago and I had tickets to go see him and it was at uh the Maverick Center, which you know holds fifteen to twenty thousand people. It's a big venue it's an arena it's an arena arena show and it was raining and they wouldn't let me take my station vehicle there so i had to be a civilian and walk over there and wait in lines and i was really it was having a bad day but that's usually when i want to go see comedy is because it cheers me right up and so i get there and i'm dealing with all these thousands of people and it's totally not my type of scene it's a very 
different crowd going to Kevin Hart show than comedy I usually see, which is fine, which is a brilliant part yeah, of different show. the American world. And as soon as I get in there, they're saying, you're going to get thrown out immediately if you look at your cell phone. You must turn your cell phone off. And I actually ended up leaving the show 20 minutes into it because I can look at my phone. Like I was watching them throw people out because they're looking at their phone. Oh, people actually got thrown out. Oh, I think really? it got up to 34 or 44 people got thrown out. Wow. Yeah. I, I'd always heard that. I didn't know and anybody it made got me thrown out though. so fucking mad because I felt like my rights were being violated. I felt like it was a guy bullying me in some respects. And it's like, dude, you're all over Facebook and you're all over YouTube. Like, who cares if someone shoots from their crappy little phone that's, you know, a hundred yards away, yeah. away from you? Like, why that's do you That's a care? tough one, the phone thing, yeah. because people don't want to give up their phone. And Seinfeld does it and Chappelle does it. Yeah, and the all big these... guy, yeah, seem to do it. From from the, the big guy perspective, I could totally see see them in a club saying if they're trying new stuff, not wanting to get filmed. Cause what if it was bad and someone puts it up and, and they get in trouble for it. I could see that. I could the theater show when it's kind of a polish act. It's kind of weird. It's, it's a weird thing to ask someone to give their, I heard one where someone was going to try and say like, everybody puts their cell phone in like a locker or somewhere safe for the show. So, you know, they can do their thing. And I was like, ah, that's, that's, that's close, but I still don't know if you could ask someone to give up their property. Well, they give up. They give bags now. That's what I heard. Yeah, and there's it, a bag you can put. And it they in. got tape on them, so you have to break it apart. And once the bag's mm. taped, then you're thrown out. Yeah. But my thing was, you know, I got a 13 year old kid. What sure. if he breaks his arm? Yeah. What if my dad dies? Like, and I can't pick up the phone. What if this super hot girl that's way out of my league says, "I need you to come over and embarrass yourself with me." Yeah. I got to take that phone call. I got to take that call. I got to <laughs> answer that Snapchat. That's a weird one that I think we'll know and sort of see what it evolves to in another, say, like five to seven years with cell phones. Yeah. Because we've all got them. We've all used them. We all see benefit from them. And now we're like, we see these kind of, kind of like secondary negatives hmm. of having so much access to them. It's weird with stand up and the cell phones. You're right. And we don't, we haven't figured it out yet. But you know I'm still a fan of Kevin Hart. Like, I enjoy his movies. I won't go out to a movie theater to watch them, but if they're on HBO, I'll watch them. But guess what? I will never go to one of his shows again. That turns you off, huh? I will never. I walked out. What if? You know, and I'm lucky I didn't pay. And I would have walked out if I paid for the tickets, too. Really? Yeah. How much were tickets to see Kevin Hart? Well, so if you had nosebleeds, they were between 30 and 80 bucks. If you were on the floor, they got up into the three to $400 range. Wow. Yeah. Would you go see him at a club? Say you could take your cell phone this time. Would you go see yes. him at a club? You would go see yes. him. So it didn't necessarily turn you off to him as a comic, sort of like this. Well, see, that's a, that you're bringing up a great point. Would I ban him completely? I think he's hysterical, though. Yeah. Would, would I see a fringe comic that had that role? No way. Not anywhere. But Yeah. I don't think anybody would go for that. You know, would I see Dave Chappelle when he was really bad a couple years ago? No. But he's got that same rule, too. Mm-hmm. And I know that Seinfeld does. And it, I just don't see George Carlin ever putting that rule in. You know, I don't see a Patrice O'Neill putting that type of rule in. Mm-hmm. Because I don't see a, and I don't know if he's big enough, but I don't see a Joey Diaz doing that. Because these guys defend personal freedom. Kevin Hart doesn't defend shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a weird one. I, I think when you get 
to a big, big level, you, you get very afraid of getting burned because so many people, I think some people want to burn you. So oh, totally. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to record this guy when he just says something and then I'm going to put it up. And I'm going to make a to, meme out so, of it. So yeah, yeah, fans are going not, not to necessarily like be on your side. Some people want to trip you up and maybe those big, big guys are constantly in fear of that. That I, I could see a small argument against that. Someone too. was telling me, it might've been Johnny McKeon. He was telling me that comics are doing this so that they don't get ripped off. Yeah. But if you're yeah. a comic and you're interested in being a joke thief, you're going to go see them anyways with bad and pencil. Yeah. And I think you're always, if you're a good comic, you can always write another joke. You can and stay ahead. If I bring in a Zoom recorder and I put gaff tape over the screen, I can record the whole thing. Yeah. And no one's going to know. Yeah. If you really wanted to, you could you could record a set yeah. to it. Yeah. It's touchy. It's touchy with that. Um, who was it? With the Amy Schumer show that they were being accused of stealing bits and sure. stuff like that. Yeah. And it like is like these are these loose premises or are these like the bits of verbatim? It's a tricky one that I think a comic who is good is like, yeah, hey, you know, I, I can I'm writing stuff like that can sort of let them let it gloss over. But they, again, that's your baby sometimes, and you're like, hey, I worked hard on that, and now. You're going to make money. That's the other thing. You're going to make some money off of this because you're working for a show and I'm slugging it out here to it. I can see people getting upset of getting their stuff taken in a roundabout way like that. It's hard. Comedy's hard, as we found out. Well, I certainly do love it. Even when I have to watch a bad act, like <laughs> there's, no, like I said, I went to Wise Guys yesterday and I was on, you know, I've had, kind of had the last week off or so, but before that, I worked like 70 days in a row. And I've just been really angry. I've been really tired. I've been just, you know, and every time I go to a comedy club, I instantly change and I'm laughing and I'm happy and I wake up happy the next day. And it's a tremendous thing you guys do. That's encouraging from not only a comic standpoint, from like a club too. Like they provide a service for the community. People can go and enjoy. Yeah to it and it's a it's a great art form and it's a hard art form but someone like you goes and lifts them up for a little bit awesome yeah That's no, what a club you, should do. you personally are very good at that and you're getting really smooth man it's a thanks pleasure to watch you grow and develop even though i hate watching that growing and developing stage <laughs> i think you guys should be top notch thanks day. man but that's cool i appreciate that it's beautiful to see so in la where can people go see your stand-up um next i'm at um, I am on a weekend show at, in Burbank at Flappers again um, for a super funny comic I'm open for. I believe his name is Sean Grant. He's been on Jimmy Fall- Jimmy Kimmel, I believe. I got to talk to him a little bit, and he knew of my hometown. So instantly I sort of was like down with this guy. Super funny guy. Look him up or YouTube him or whatever. And I'm there on, a, I think it's a Saturday night this time. Nice. To it. And then um, hopefully a couple more small things come up. It's festival season coming up soon, right? Yeah, I'm going to apply to some festivals, so hopefully I get into one or two of those. I hope so. Yeah. And then uh, I hear rumor that there might be a podcast down the road for you, true? Can yeah, you I want to look into that? that. I want to look into a podcast of my own soon. You and Christian Piper, right? Yeah, yeah. Christian's in L.A. now, so we get to hang out. We can put something together. I like him. Well, where are you on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that crap, sir? Uh, you can find me on Facebook just under my name, Patrick Ramirez, and my Twitter is at Patrick in my head. So find me on there. Instagram is the same. I'm on all the stuff. Still got an AOL that I'll check. If anyone, <laughs> how about this? Anybody wants to email me on my AOL, I will answer it. It's uh, it's lowballtx at aol.com. I got it in 2000. 
one as a joke because everybody would call me lowball because I was cheap. Oh, and it's I, not because your balls are hanging low, huh? No, maybe. Maybe <laughs> I got a phone call to make. And I thought I would personalize it by putting TX at the end, you know, for Texas. I'm from Texas. So, uh, yeah, if anybody emails me with the subject line, um, Mr. Bloom's show, then I will send you a coffee mug, mug which I've drank out of 18,000 times. You're a good man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Well, Patrick Ramirez, it's beautiful to see you again. And uh, Thank you. safe travels, man. Thank you. Thank you, Sasha.